0: Hi everybody. Welcome back to Waves of Change where we invite you to explore Asian American psychology with us. I'm Dr. Mankit Lee
1: and I'm Diana Chu. We're both therapists in San Francisco. Today, we're going to talk about burnout.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. We're ter- we're talking about burnout. We're yeah. talking about
1: burnout. So, Lee, how have you been as a therapist? Crispy. Crispy.
0: <laughs> I'm crispy. I'm what does that crispy. even
1: mean? It's
0: crispy. Uh, I, I feel pretty burnt out myself. Uh, and I think that's a normal experience, not just for therapists, but also for um, any medical workers, frontline medical workers, mm-hmm. uh, support team. And recently, if you live in California, uh, firefighters. Yeah. 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 Scary times. So I feel I feel burnt out. Right. How about you, Diana? How do you feel?
1: Uh, I think I'm on the onset of it. I think with with like... Uh, I've talked to a lot of different therapists and I think there is one thing that's happening right now is mm-hmm. that we're we're living in the pandemic with our clients and mm-hmm. their issues are very close to our issues. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. typically, um, as a therapist, you're able to distance yourself from the material that your clients is bringing in. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we're in it together, it mm-hmm. creates this kind of like dance that, like, it's more like, yes, I hear you because I'm experienced that too. I could not buy toilet pe- paper too back then, or I'm having Wi Fi issue as well, or bigger things like having relationship issues or having stuck at home, you know, that kind of stuff. So the distance between the issues that the clients are bringing in is very close.
0: It's very close to home, mainly because we're all in-home. Now with yeah. that said um, I kind of want to give an overall definition of burnout. It's a pretty popular term. I'm sure a lot of our folks our listeners heard about it. For those who have not, burnout is um, a term often used to describe one's work attitude or capacity for work. And it says that here in America, almost 60% of our workforce experience burnout at one point in mm-hmm. their lives. Symptoms include like depleted energy, low productivity, um and a general feeling that they're not productive and not contributing to their work, or don't feel like they're being rewarded by their work. And Mm -hmm. uh, research has shown that it leads to, it bleeds into other areas of our life, including physical, mental, and emotional problems, um, and also uh, reduce our resistance to illness, which is not something we want during a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
1: we wanna be as healthy as possible
0: right that's mm-hmm. possible yeah so so let's talk about you mentioned one thing uh, earlier diana that uh for therapists having things that our patients bring up that are hitting close at home because we're all in this collective crisis together um, yeah is one you know contributing factor to therapist burnout or potential uh reason why therapists burn what other things are you noticing at least for yourself um contributing to your feelings of burnout
1: Mhm. I think one thing that as uh, as as myself as a human um I also do a lot of self-care which is a little bit more social. So mm. going out um I walk my dog still um but right now I can't really hang out with people in the dog park. Um so like little things like going out with friends, uh having gatherings, having that human to human connection. Uh, family and stuff like that i think that also contributes to it because it makes the work very isolated uh especially your stu- stu- you know at, at home and um and the work life and the issues kind of like jump like inside a home and without that um uh container of an office before yeah, yeah. when compared to before
0: You know, some of my colleagues are joking around saying that they're no longer uh, working at home, but they're living at work.
1: Oh, that's a good analogy. Living at work.
0: They're living at work. This is kind of scary, isn't it? And I can see how they lead to depression (laughs) real quick. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: think the social social piece is important. I still walk my dog. And, um, like at least going out, um, for a quick walk or something like that, with the fires is a little bit harder, um, recently, but, um, we still go out. Yeah.
0: Mm, That's very important. Uh, let's see. I I mean, sure. I said this many times. I do enjoy staying at home and I can become (laughs) like a heathen when left alone for too long. I turn to a hermit. So the need to kind of go to work, go out and socialize with people. is not something that I like naturally go towards, I guess, Mm -hmm. if I can, I I just naturally don't want to go out, but it's important for me to do so. It's important for me to have social activities um, because if not, then I will just kind of fall back into my routine where I'm just play games and read books. That's like all I do, just play games, read books, play (laughs) games, read books. And what ends up happening is I'll, realize that oh my god i haven't like stepped outside my door in like like six days and then wow I'm like, Why six I so days yeah. that's a
1: long time
0: wow. yeah don't underestimate me i'm <laughs> i can stay i can stay home but no um mm-hmm. it's it's not good for me and i am noticing an increase in my own depressive symptoms because of it I'm like hey i feel it feels good to do what i'm you know have natural propensity to do but it's not healthy
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: exercising, but, you know, like that kind of stuff too. I mean, I,
0: I work out now in the home, right? But like, okay, it's I different digress.
1: It's different, Yeah it is very different uh, exercise I, I got a
0: i got a wee fit okay anyway
1: Anyways. So, <laughs> did it work we fit really i got a
0: we fit i got a ring fit so i I'm, I'm i'm good i'm like in the virtual world bouncing it was fantastic but back to <laughs> it tells you the calories and and stuff it, like it that. does it's fantastic i it's, it's great it's like jump oh, and I'm like I yes can... i will jump okay so back to burnouts there hmm. are different stages of burnout. I I want to talk about our stages of burnout because I kind of want us to really look at, you know, our current work and see where we're at. Right. So I'm just going to break down the stage for everybody. So it's
1: like awareness for us.
0: Yeah. Kind of self-awareness. Right. The first phase Mm -hmm. is called of honeymoon phase. It's where we start a new job. We're like, this job is awesome. Right. It's like a new Mm -hmm. relationship. It's fantastic. Right? you want to improve yourself you feel creative you're like more motivated and then for, and then the next stage is called the onset of stress where you start to feel against stress um you feel less less optimistic right you feel like oh there's you no know, there are things associated with this work that are not as pleasurable mm-hmm. and after that if the, the stress is not managed through like you said self-care or processing and whatnot, um we can lead to chronic stress and that's when people start to feel apathetic they can feel angry they can feel chronically exhausted right and then that's number three number four is the burnout Right, and that is when people start to feel just behavioral changes, chronic headaches, stomach problems. Um, they feel like they dropped out of society, right? Self doubt, isolation, and finally we have habitual burnouts. And I, I, unfortunately, a lot of grad school folks are like living in <laughs> habitual burnout. I remember myself, like mm-hmm. I was in habitual burnout for so long that I forgot what anything else looked.
1: Yeah, like. when you're in school, it's a little bit different. It's Pretty like bad. you're like. You're sprinting in a marathon.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's more like crawling, but yeah, it's kinda Craw- more
1: like crawling. <laughs> more like crawling
0: you know? But no, so, so I picture burnout, you have like, you know, chronic mental fatigue, chronic physical fatigue, chronic sadness depression. and depression. It's just nasty stuff. Nasty stuff. So, Diana, where 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 are you right now in this in this lack of skill?
1: I, I think I think I'm at chronic stress right mm-hmm. now and the earth like at the bridge of like going burnout but i mm-hmm. i think i think i'm still trying really hard to you know like um set up you know like be be able to work on, on my deadlines and uh doing fun things like recording this podcast which we rescheduled and reschedule about this topic already <laughs> um but but all, but i think like it's important to like acknowledge where I am, and where I could be if I did not do anything about this right now. No.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: How about you? Where do you think you are? At what stage you are?
0: And before answering that, it is a good point that you brought up just now. That we did reschedule this particular podcast topic <laughs> like two, three times already. So yeah. I don't know. I think that I think that speaks to at least some of our. Uh, our unconscious fatigue. oppression. Uh, yeah. No, no. Yeah, unconscious oppression about this, this, this particular topic. And I think kind of digging deep into myself, I feel like I did not want to talk about burnout. I don't want to see my level of burnout because if I mm. were to see it, then I had to face it.
1: Okay, let's do a, do a little bit of digging
0: deep right there. Oh, we going to <laughs> like dig, some dig some deep? I, I, I do what, think... What,
1: what are some of the things that you are fear of, like if you find out, if you are burnt out?
0: Well, I think as an Asian-American and more specific Asian-American man, right, I feel like I was brought up learning that my worth is directly connected to my productivity, like, my mm. self-worth is equal to how much I can produce. And almost, like, how much I deserve love from society, from my partner, from my parents, is directly related to how much I produce. And in the simpler terms, is determines on my how much A's I get. You know what I mean? Like, story, <laughs> or how much general, money
1: you earn, right? How much money you earn, yeah. right?
0: So I'm noticing that there are elements of my not just my work specifically, but like my overall job as a psychologist, there are elements of it that are kind of fatiguing me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm less effective in certain elements. I'm um, uh, It takes me longer to do a clinical formulation, for example. My mind has a problem focusing, but kind of mm-hmm. coming to terms with this is also accepting that um, I'm not performing optimally. And if I were to kind of come with this baggage I described earlier, the schema, if you will, um, patho- pathogenic adaptation then it also <laughs> means that I'm not worth love or mm-hmm. I don't deserve love I don't deserve acceptance or I'm not good yeah. so,
1: so what I'm hearing is that if you are identifying yourself that you are burnt out it kind of like equates to you're not lovable you're, you, cannot, you cannot excel in what you want to become is that is that what I'm hearing?
0: Mm, it's close, close. I think a better way of describing, or the way I would describe it, is by coming to terms that I'm not as productive than um, I should not expect to be loved. Loved. Yeah. So like this, uh, this is an idea of being deserving, but it's all this idea of like not earning it, mm. not able, not able to earn it right yeah. so it's like it's a, it's a very splitting hair distinction between you know uh, I don't deserve love versus like um I'm unable to achieve love like uh mm-hmm. or another word is um I'm not good enough yeah, yeah. We're, I'm not I'm not deserving versus I'm not good enough anyways that's splitting hair and at the end of the day I, I think if I were to be very uncomfortably uh uh <laughs> honest I All- think I, yeah, I, I'm I think I'm also in that bridge between chronic stress and burnout. Okay. Yeah, I think that's where I'm I am at. And it's it's a scary realization for myself. Yeah. yeah
1: it, and and we're putting it out to the world, telling people that we are like at that stage.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um it is definitely scary. And I think what you're experiencing is very normal in terms of like the the avoidance of uh, acknowledging where you're at Mm -hmm, Um, mm. because we, we have an idea of what we should be and Mm -hmm. it's hard to come in terms with that. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I know in Japan, it's actually um, a a sense of pride to work yourself so hard that you fall Mm. asleep in the subway or you fall asleep in the street corner. Right? Yeah, you see, like people wearing suit just passed out, and they're like, "Oh my god, that person works so hard." And they'll leave them alone. Like they're still, mm, right? It's yeah, honor it's, in it's,
1: that. yeah, it's honor. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Very high heart attack rate. <laughs> Very high heart <laughs> <cardio laughs> attack rate. And that
1: brings to our next question: Can you die from burned out?
0: I think so. I do yeah. think so. I do think so. Absolutely. We we're talking about reduced resistance to illness. We we're talking about like uh, increased risk of hypertension, increased risk of mental mm-hmm. health illness. You can absolutely die. It's not going to kill you overnight, right? Yeah, no one's going to be like, yeah, he he, you know, he ran, got ran over by burnout, and it's not going to it's not going to happen that way. It's a slow, gradual, painful, you know, depleting, depressing death.
1: Yeah. And I think, like, with burnout, uh, if not managed well, like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of times where people would have uh, other issues that crop, creeping up, like, Mm -hmm. health issues or, like, increase in, like, alcohol or drug consumption. Mm -hmm. You know, those kind of, like, can lead into different things as well.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And and there's also two more terms that I want to introduce. Um, One of them is called brownout. Have you heard that before? Brownout? Wait.
1: Brown out is that like how like when PG and e has to shut down the 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 wires the electricity f- to prevent fires is that how blackout and brown out is that what you're talking
0: about? No, it's not brown out is actually when your bathroom gets clogged and your sewage shut I'm no, kidding no that's not the case. <laughs> brown out is um, a lesser degree of burnouts more or oh. less. Yeah, And it talks about um, a shift in attitude in towards mm. one's work, whereas you don't feel excited anymore about your work, but instead you're noticing you're feeling bored. You're noticing yourself kind of pulling away, disengaging, right? And it's a lot of times the precursor. All right, not all, not always, but sometimes a precursor to burnout. So something to look out for, right? And also for um, mental providers, mental health providers, health providers. Uh one of the key terms to learn is compassion fatigue.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Um, have you heard about that for compassion fatigue? Yeah,
1: compassion fatigue. Yeah. Can we talked a little like bit I, I have no more empathy anymore. <laughs> but I mean, it's like it's like when you're, you're your uh, wealth and your well of like empathy and your Mm -hmm. well of tolerance kind of deplete. And so it kind of give you less buffer Mm -hmm. from what a client would say or something that happens to you with your trigger, you know, like, and so you kind of respond really quickly um, Mm -hmm. potentially in a negative way um, and not as reflective. And, you know, that's the the outcome of compassion fatigue.
0: I know compassion fatigue is very taboo in mm-hmm. in therapy and for therapists, we talk about it. Like, it's like a scientific construct, almost like this is the mystical thing that happens to everybody else but me. And the reason why I think is because it's connected deeply with the sense of shame for therapists. Because we talk yeah. so much about empathy and compassion. And to say that you have compassion fatigue, meaning that you just don't, you lose your capacity to connect with another human being. So you mm-hmm. lose your capacity to be an effective therapist. And that is, and yeah. for those who are identified deeply as, um, a, a health provider—that is their core being—and to kind of deny that is incredibly painful. At the yeah, same time, and that's like identity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Like it that, it's it's like
1: I—I I am a healer, but I'm not compassion. That's like doesn't doesn't kind of make sense uh, mm-hmm. in in that world. And mm-hmm. but honestly, it does happen. Um, and how how do you work around it?
0: Well, I think. <laughs> I, I think, first of all, is we should acknowledge it, like legit acknowledge it. We shouldn't just talk about it, but just acknowledge yeah. it. Like I have experienced compassion fatigue once too many times. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I was first learning how to do assessments um, and I was working with the veteran population, I had a serious dose, like – like, I I was not prepared for this, but I was doing an assessment for an individual who lived through sexual assault in the military, and I was not aw- aware of like vicarious trauma back then. But after that one session, I remember for the rest of the month, I would just go to assessment sessions, and when a person tells me like, "Oh, I was hurt by my parents," or "I was this happened to me," I felt nothing. Mm. I was just like, "I," and I, it's really weird. And I was devastated because I was talking to my supervisor that. I know I should feel something for these people, but I just don't give a fuck. Mm. I just, I just didn't care. I couldn't yeah. wait to get out of there so I can read my comic books. I can't wait to get out there so I can, you know, just do anything else but that. I just don't connect, generate the compassion, the care, the love for this person anymore, or who, for whoever's in front of me. And that, that was compassion fatigue for me. Mm. And how I recovered from that it really was taking a break from what had happened and slowly processing through that initial assessment session of the vicarious trauma and how that impacted me and really after i feel taken care of i felt seen i felt loved i felt empathy applied towards me is when i can make my own recovery and it still happens from time to time when i'm just really burned out compassion fatigue does set in for myself how about mm-hmm. you diana if you open to sharing
1: yeah, like I, I actually like early on as a clinician, I was in this supervision group for mm-hmm. a drama therapist. And I still remember one of my colleague, um, who is called Maud, Maud Davis, and she's a, a Union uh, uh, you know,
0: therapist back. Then. I like this person already.
1: <laughs> she's like into dreams and stuff like that. She's like so good at what, what she's doing. And we talked about like how um when a client is saying something and we're just like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Or, you know, like, and and like, uh, oh, that doesn't um, land or like we have a different perspective of the client, what the client is doing, you know. Um, and so she said, um, you know what? When I come across that, one of the things that I do is that I have a little gremlin hmm. in my mind this is drama therapy technique, where I kind of like, as a therapist, I have this little gremlin sitting next to me, and that gremlin will embody the voice of the negativity side of the therapist. Mm -hmm. So so for example, uh, a client would just like say, oh yeah, I went back to the boyfriend that cheated on me right Mm -hmm. and then the gremlin will be like of course you did that like of course why would you do that like that's so stupid and Mm -hmm. then the therapist could kind of identify that yes i have those feelings and those thoughts as well Mm -hmm. and that's the gremlin role to to take that thought Mm -hmm. and then you could channel the compassion side that you have
0: externalizing
1: externalizing it and so that like your thought could go there and then you could say, okay, tell me more about like, why would you go back with your, your boyfriend? Something like that. Oh, okay. And so with that being said, um, so early on, um, it really helped me, uh, a lot as a clinician because it makes me identify that, yes, I have different thoughts and I have different emotions when, uh, my clients are saying stuff to me and it's okay to have different parts and I could use different techniques to help me channel the piece that is helpful for the client. Yeah, mm. and yeah, Maude is amazing. Um, That's I think amazing. she's still in the in the Bay Area. And oh, wow. I think her her interpretation and her demo of it, it's like real lively and it kind of like marked it in my brain and it's very helpful since then.
0: We should consider checking her on this <laughs> podcast and talk about her amazing no. ideas. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Be, I'm interested. I want all of Gremlins to just kind of talk to one another. That would be oh, fun. Oh my
1: goodness. That would that, be a really good drama therapy group. I like, know. can you imagine the therapist in a Zoom room? I mean, groups are in Zoom rooms right now um, and just be their Gremlin?
0: <laughs> you mean you don't do that already?
1: I, I never have I'm that kidding. idea.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Amazing. <laughs> it's fun stuff. Fun <laughs> stuff. So, absolutely. It's, it's, I think it comes end, at the end of the day, we do, what, comes, what comes naturally to all of us is this idea of pushing away and hiding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I think, and I want to suggest to everybody, is that these are all elements of what it means to be human and to accept it is part of healing. sounds kind of therapy of me but in the the day it is true (laughs) it is what we need to do well anyways thank you so much for joining us this week please share and subscribe and I will talk to you guys next week goodbye everybody goodbye everyone